The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at WrestlingWithJonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of This Week in History. I'm Sean, here in London, Ontario, Canada, and we are in the middle of March and going through the March Madness Tournament uh, hosted by the Scumbags of Wrestling. So if you're a fan of independent wrestling here in Ontario, be sure to join us twice a day for voting going on. We just want to get that out of the way. We want to thank you for being a part of that. We want to thank you for being a part of this show, whether you're watching on YouTube, Rumble, or on Facebook. We uh, launched our first uh, episode last week on Rumble, and we're going to continue uh, using that source. So there's many ways of you to uh, see us visually. And, of course, uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, our Heart Radio, Anywhere you else you get your podcast from, I think there's at least a dozen uh, different areas uh, that we're on. Uh, just to name those ones for starters, they're the more popular ones. But we are everywhere that you want to get to. Uh, like I said, March Madness over on our Facebook. Always uh, able to get in touch with us that way. Scumbags Wrestling uh, at gmail.com is how to email us. Check out our website, scumbagswrestling.ca. And we just finished the Predictions League year number one. Want to congratulate Austin on that one. Year number two is coming up starting at WrestleMania weekend. Tons of things to uh, get through. Uh, But I think those are all our little announcements to do. We are this week in history and looking at March 4th to the 10th. But cannot do that until we head over to Niagara Falls and visit Jonesy. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty damn good. Yeah, good to hear. Uh, wonky weather here in Ontario. Considering on the weekend we had uh, balmy 17-plus degree weather, record-breaking stuff going on, and then within a day and a half later, we got ice pellets, snow, rain, I don't know. So I don't know what we're doing. Uh, all I know is thankfully I'm inside, keeping warm, and not worried about uh, any weather, but uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week uh, that way. Yep, it's when nature in uh, Ontario goes a little wonky. Yeah, very bipolar weather in Ontario. Uh, but like I said uh, before I brought you in, we are uh, going to do uh, history and look at the week of March 4th through the 10th. I'm bringing up my list right now because my phone just shut down on me. But we can start off right now. All right. We're going to start with the headlines, starting with March 4th, 1974. At Madison Square Garden, Bruno Sammartino and Nikolai Volkov fought to a draw for the WWF Championship. The match was stopped due to the building's 11 p.m. curfew after 53 minutes. This picture wow. looks like uh, Bruno and uh, Nikolai are about to go after Paul Heyman and Jim Ross. I didn't realize it when I put together this photo. Now, it, it's after 53 minutes. Does that mean they wrestled for 53 minutes? Yeah, they wrestled for 53 minutes. and Jesus, had how the hell did Nikolai Volkov wrestle for 53 minutes? I never remember any of these matches going past, like, Jesus, Go past We're also talking 1974, 
That's uh, true. This isn't uh, teaming with Iron Sheik or being uh, the slave to Ted DiBiase type Nikolai Volkov or even uh, Boris Zukov uh, Bolsheviks Nikolai. We're talking early 74. So, yeah, he was definitely uh, a machine. Plus, I would say at that time, we're looking at the fact that the uh, long title reigns and longer matches happen. And we're probably thinking about a lot of rest holds going yes. on. True. Which helps. I don't miss the rest holds. All right. Continue with March 4th, 2013. WWE presented Old School Raw. Uh, the show started with The Undertaker's return for the umpteenth time. And Mae Young's last WWE TV appearance celebrating her 90th birthday with the girls. CM Punk defeated Randy Orton, Sheamus, and The Big Slow in the Fatal 4-Way match to earn a match against The Undertaker at WrestleMania 29. Yeah, and that always confuses me with Punk's uh, issues with WWE. I, I can get maybe the work schedule. I can get maybe the uh, doctor issues that he had because he talked about having a staph infection that was not treated or whatever bump was going on. And I get not uh, not ever main eventing at WrestleMania. But you also got to go against Undertaker. Like... That's, a, I would say, even a bigger spot than a uh, WrestleMania main event because that can happen so many times. Look at how many times Rock and Austin or now Brock and uh, Roman have main evented, but only a few people got to have multiple matches with Undertaker at a WrestleMania. And you know what, Sam Punk? I know you tickle a, a, a beating in your body and all that other stuff, but you know what? All of us that work, a lot of us, we're in shitty places. We work for shitty people. Do we go home? No, because we're not as talented as you who can leave, go to UFC, stink it up there. Though I will say he, he, he was a tough bugger because he didn't get knocked out, but, uh, I don't know. These these guys that um, bitch and whine and moan about all this stuff, that's fine. You left. But why are you trying to fuck everything up? You're going to go in their Hall of Fame eventually if you don't piss them all off. Yeah. And like I said, you got to go against Undertaker. Just after Paul Bearer also passed away and got to include his ashes and stuff like that and give Paul Bearer one last send-off posthumously. Can't go wrong. We're going to talk about Paul in a little bit, but we got more headlines. Yes, we do. March 5th, 2001, Raw is War. ECW owner Paul Heyman made his WWF debut, replacing Jerry Lawler, who left the company. Heyman did make a few appearances during 97 as part of a crossover promotion. March 6, 1972, New Japan Pro Wrestling runs its first ever show from the Ada Ward Gymnasium in Tokyo, Japan. The main event featured Carl Gotch defeating Antonio Nogi. In the year 2000, Bubba Ray Dudley superbombs Mae Young through a table. The main event that night was a Chris Benoit versus the Rock Steel Cage main event. 
Also on March 6, 2015, Bill DeMont resigns from his head trainer role at the WWE Performance Center. There were some questions about his training methods, etc., so he and WWE parted ways. It definitely wasn't humorous. No, it was not. March 7, 1967, in Tokyo, Japan, NWA International Heavyweight Champion Giant Baba and WWF Champion Bruno Sammartino fought to a one-hour time limit draw in a best-of-three-falls match, with each man winning one fall. Up. Convenient when there's champion versus champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1999, in Mar on March 7th, Kurt Angle makes his WWF television debut during a segment on Sunday Night Heat with Tiger Ali Singh. Singh got Angle in the ring and offered to pay $500 to blow his nose on the American flag, which personally, I think that was low. It should have been at least 1000 uh, which Angle does, then blows out a big one into the Indian flag and treats Singh to some suplexes. 2016 in Pinellas County, Florida, opening testimony was given in the lawsuit between Terry Bolia, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan, and Gawker Media, the parent company of Gawker.com, who published a two-minute snippet of Hogan having sex with Bubba Lund Sponge's wife. And the people in the courtroom that had to see that did not ever see light again. Yeah, and there was some weird testimony going on with that one. I thankfully didn't, uh, we don't have court TV as prominently here in Canada as they do in the States, but there was uh, talk about, you know, the size of Terry Belia versus the size of what people would imagine Hulk Hogan as. Like, why are we getting into this sort of uh, deep dive? Just, you, you illegally posted video. Pay the man. And go away. And unfortunately, Gawker got taken for a ride and got shut down basically because of this lawsuit. Yeah, Hogan got a big uh, payday, and kind of in a way, I think it set a precedence because um, it was the whole reason was is because they were going after Hulk Hogan, the person where um, he wanted he needed it separated between Hulk Hogan, the character, and Terry, Terry Bolia. And they kind of, Gawker went too far, and that's kind of why um, he won the case. Yep. If that made sense of what I just said, I don't know if it did. Ha! Huh. Um, there was something else on that, and I can't remember. Oh, yeah, as far as the size of his penis, um, we know what was, what was the main pythons, and that was his arms. That's right, Hulk Hogan's penis. March 8, 2005, at a SmackDown taping, WWE champion John Bradshaw Layfield blew up the John Cena Custom Spinner United States Championship belt and presented new champion Orlando Jones the previous version of the belt. It was a blessed day getting rid of that spinner belt. The ugliest things possible. Uh, I, I personally thought it was, it was uh, quite neat. Um, I can see why a lot of people hated it. But it was definitely different. It was, it, 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 and it was, I mean, it was a well-made belt. That was pretty cool. Um, March 10th, 1997, WWF presented Raw is War. The 200th episode had a new name, set, logo, fireworks, and the beautiful people by Marilyn Manson. Yeah, it's when we first got introduced to the Titantron. No more big letters of Raw that Sabu almost fell off of. 
And yeah, just a huge, enormous stage uh, compared to what uh, they used to have with just a little doorway. Yeah, it, 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 it's actually, I'm, if you kind of think of the timeline of from 1990 to, I think, 95 is when, oh, 97, sorry, is when this, it they went from having a very small entrance to all of a sudden, boom. It's like they got a big, you know, because they had to go to war. So they their budget went up. And um, I don't know, it's kind of uh, neat when you watch uh, older stuff and you don't see the big Titantron or any of that. It's... Uh, it's a completely different show. Very much so. Uh, so we're going to move on to deaths. Superstar Spotlight is Paul Bearer. Nine years ago today, March 5th, 2013, William Alvin Moody, known as Percival Pringle III, but of course best known as Paul Bearer, died of a heart attack in his hometown of Mobile, Alabama. Oh, no. He was 58. Born April 10th, 1954, Moody got into the wrestling business as a ringside photographer. He began managing in 1979 as Percival Percy Pringle III. And did you know there were two people prior to that that used the Percy Pringle name in wrestling? Anywho, his wrestling career slowed down after his wife Deanna gave birth to their first son, Michael, and he went to school to obtain certification as an embalmer and a mortician. By the mid-80s, he was back managing and performing in various regional territories and promotions in the States. Once he got to the WWF, he would, of course, replace Brother Love as the manager of The Undertaker. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014. Yeah, so uh, he basically debuted in 1974, retired in 2012 uh, officially. Um, of course, we had that really bad uh, time with the Dudley Boys, and I think uh, when they buried him in the crypt and stuff like that, that was a horrible angle. Um, but I think that might have been when he was going for gastric bypass surgery. At one point, he was uh, as heavy as 525 pounds, and after the surgery, uh, dropped down to under 300. And then, of course, he had that adventure with Edge and uh, Randy Orton separately, yeah, kidnapping him and having Kane chase after them type deal. Um, part of one of the best storylines ever uh, involving the whole Kane and Undertaker and being the father of Kane and bringing in the uh, brother that Undertaker thought was perished, that could make an actual movie. And so it was awesome in that regards, uh, the storyline that went on with that whole thing. Uh, Moody ended up also working for Championship Wrestling in Florida, where he got his start. WCCW, so World Class Championship Wrestling, uh, that was in the uh, Texas area with Von Erichs. Of course, WWF, WWE. And he did briefly uh, reprise Percy Pringle when he was uh, working in TNA for about a year. Uh, didn't really do too much in that regards over there. Now, a surprise uh, thing that people may or may not realize are some of the people they managed prior to Undertaker because there was Rick Rude, uh, Stunning Steve Austin, Eric Embry uh, was there. Uh, there was one other that I uh, had. Oh, yeah, Dingo Warrior. 
But then the biggest surprise is the fact that he happened to accompany a gentleman by the name of Texas Red, who wore a mask, to go against Bruiser Brody in Texas Red's very first match. And they put uh, Percy with him just because they knew how Bruiser was. And uh, he kind of took advantage of uh, Texas Red uh, uh, during that. But Texas Red was Mark Calloway. So he kind of got managed by Paul Bear before they were Undertaker and Paul Bear, which is kind of cool. Of course, uh, he was Pro Wrestling Illustrated Manager of the Year in 1998, Cauliflower Alley Club uh, Award winner of the Luthez Award in 2013. You mentioned the Hall of Fame in 2014 for WWE, where he's inducted by his sons. And, uh, yeah, he was an actual mortician at one point, which was kind of cool when they brought him in to replace uh, Brother Love. It was perfect. And also, I believe it was Hawk of the Road Warriors who gave Percy or uh, William Moody his uh, WD name of Paul Bear. Get it? Paul Bear was what uh, Hawk had said because of the whole connection and everything. And it stuck. And so... Forever, yeah, people remember William Moody as Paul Bear, probably even more so than Percy Pringle. Absolutely, one of the best side characters. Uh, March 10th, <clears throat> 2008, famed football player and wrestler Ernie or Ernest Ladd, aka the big cat Ernie Ladd, died of colon cancer in Franklin, Louisiana. He was 68. Nicknamed the Big Cat. He was an American professional football player and professional wrestler, which I probably already said. Ladd found success in the AFL as one of the largest players in professional football history at 6'9 and 290 pounds. Winning championship in 1963, the injury, though, would end his football career. He played a villainous heel who would arrogantly taunt both opponents and crowds. Uh, Ladd feuded with many popular wrestlers at the time, including Wahoo McDaniel, Andre the Giant, Bobo Brazil, Dusty Rhodes, and Mr. Wrestling. Ladd was inducted into the San Diego Chargers Hall of Fame in 1981, the uh, uh, Grappling, uh, sorry, the Grampling State University Hall of Fame in 1989, and the WWF Hall of Fame in 1995. Very historic, historic career of Ernie Lab. And we're now going to move on to the Monday Night Wars, March 8th, 1999. Uh, the 99 edition of WCW Monday Nitro was held in Worcester Centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts. 23 years ago on Nitro, Goldberg and Ric Flair fought to no contest. This Nitro was booked by Kevin Nash, who was also the champ at the time. The first hour featured absolutely no matches. This was apparently Nash proving that even with no wrestling matches in the first hour, the show would still have the same rating numbers, and he was right. There were only six matches during a three-hour broadcast. Uh, The live crowd, however, did have matches happening that just weren't shown to the TV audience. Uh, the dark matches, La Parca defeated Juventud Guerrero. Uh, Chavo Guerrero Jr. defeated Norman Smiley. Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Mike Enos. And Fit Finley defeated Prince Ikea. 
Once on air, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hack versus Raven with Chastity by his side. And a Falls Count Anywhere triangle match ended in a no contest at 1334. Uh, Chris Jericho with Ralphus uh, defeated Lismark Jr. Uh, that was four minutes and 31 seconds. Scott Steiner defeated Booker T to retain the WCW World TV belt. And that match was just over 14 minutes. Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Scott Norton, uh, seven minutes. Bret Hart defeated Van Hammer in uh, surprisingly 10 minutes and 45 seconds. And Goldberg versus Flair ended in the no contest. And that was eight minutes and 38 seconds. Overall, um, as far as, yeah, you're not getting as many matches and you're getting a lot of yakety yak yak, but the the length of those matches um that that would be a uh, this would be a nitro worth watching the last two hours if you don't care about really the storylines get past that first hour of uh just talking uh for sure um i'm thinking brent hart must have been just playing with van hammer for the last 10 minutes and you know i give i give it to van hammer even though you know you, you like him or not uh van hammer had a decent career in the you know wcw he was there for pretty much from the beginning of wcw i'd like to say to the end of wcw yeah because officially really wcw was only uh very very early 90s or just on the cusp of the late 89 when uh Jim Crocker promotions sold over to Ted and they were done by uh, 2001. So yeah, who knows? Uh, it's kind of surprising to realize that, but of course their history is related back to the NWA and mm -hmm. JCP. And they so. were also wrestling in the WWF at, a, at, at one time as well. You don't remember that. I do, I do believe so. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did. Anything's possible. There's a lot of people who uh, just showed up on Velocity that uh, were newcomers and then made a name for themselves before coming back to WF. Anyways, looking over at the other side of uh, things on the other channel, over on Raw, that uh, edition was uh, done from the Pittsburgh Civic Center, or Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and D'Lo Brown defeated Owen Hart in a Steel uh, City Street fight in only four minutes and 33 seconds. Billy Gunn and Road Dog defeated Al Snow and Hardcore Holly in two minutes. Ken Shamrock defeated Goldust with Blue Mini and Ryan Shamrock in a minute and 21 seconds. Test, and uh, who had China and Shane McMahon, defeated X-Pac, who had Triple H in his corner, in just under four minutes. Sorry, needed to cough. The Godfather, who had hose in his corner, uh, defeated Steve Blackman. Or sorry, that ended in a no contest. Tori, who had Sable in her corner, defeated Luna in 39 seconds. That's how much care they had for the women at that time. Mankind defeated Steve Austin by count out with Paul uh, White as a special guest referee. And that main event lasted nine minutes and one second. So, yeah, just looking at the two, it's not surprising that Nitro ended up winning. And this was still just a two-hour Raw. 
against a uh, three-hour nitro. But yeah, yeah. I'd, uh, except for the main event of Raw, who gives a shit about Raw? I mean, yeah, mind just... you, mind you, you know their storyline stuff and their interviews and all that. Uh, add to the entertainment but uh, if you're looking for the wrestling part of it uh well, this time there definitely would have been a lot of uh backstage stuff going on as they're building up towards uh wrestlemania at that point so that was uh you're basically a uh selling item uh or you know just a paid commercial in a way for the upcoming wrestlemania uh, I definitely would have been watching Nitro. Uh, I might have switched um, once it came in event time to uh, because you know Goldberg against Flair. No offense, but I don't really give a shit. You know, if it's Flair against somebody else. But all right, we're gonna go on now. The title changes. Whole bunch of them here. March fourth, nineteen ninety-five, in Tokyo, Japan. Stan Hansen defeated uh, Toshiaki Kawada to win the All Japan Triple Crown Championship. It would be Hansen's fourth and final All Japan Triple Crown title. To the year two thousand, at an ECW on TNN taping in Philly, Rob Van Dam vacated the ECW World TV belt due to injury, which was a broken ankle. At an even 700 days, RVD's run is the longest of any championship in company history at 700 days. That's longer than the next two longest TV title reigns, being Shane Douglas and Taz's. Combined, the title uh, vacancy would be uh, filled at Living Dangerously eight days later with Rhino defeating Super Crazy in a tournament final for the title. And I believe Rhino was uh, then the final... Uh... TV champion for uh, the company's history. I do believe you're right. March 5th, 1994, in Philly, Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac defeated the Bruise Brothers, Ron and Don Harris, to win the vacated ECW Tag Team belts. March 5th, 2001, the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff, defeated the Dudley Boys to win the WWF Tag Team belts. 2005 in Philly, the Rottweilers homicide Ricky Reyes and Rocky Romero defeated Generation Next. Austin Aries, Jack Evans, and Roderick Strong to win the 2005 Trios tournament. March 6, 1990 in Tokyo, Japan, the Miracle Violence Connection. Terry Gordy and Steve Williams defeated uh, Ryu Hanho being Stan Hansen and Generico Tenru to win the All Japan Wrestling Unified World Tag Team Belts. 1991 in Nagasaki, Japan, Hiroshi Haas and Kensuke Sasaki defeated Hiro Sato and Super Strong Machine to win the IWGP Tag Belts. In 1994, at an ECW Hardcore TV taping in Philly, the Public Enemy defeated Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac to win the ECW Tag Belts. And later on that night, the Tasmaniac would defeat Sabu for the ECW Television Belt. Also, March 6, 1996, at a WCW Saturday Night taping, Lex Luger defeated the soon WWF departing Johnny B. Bad to win the WCW World Television Belt. 
1999, in Tokyo, Vader defeated Akira Tau to win the All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown Championship. Yeah, it was just announced this week that uh, Vader will be uh, finally inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Of course, it'll have to be posthumously as he passed away a few years ago. But uh, I'm trying to remember if one of his uh, sons had worked briefly for WWE, uh, they might bring him in to uh, do the induction. Well, the, the person that should uh, induct him, uh, I would say, would be that should be the actor from uh, uh, Boy Meets World. Oh. Yeah, the guy that played well, his, uh, uh, his son. Um, but I do... Even though I don't think he wore the Mastodon uh, helmet in um, WWF, it would be kind of nice if they had that um, kind of on the stage and smoking as uh, you know they announce him. Make a good sight. Yeah. And hey, maybe they'll be looking for that to put in the um, uh, wrestling archives. March 6, 1999, oh, sorry, uh, March 6, 2015, in Yarbor City, Florida, the Kimber Bombs, Cherry Bomb and Kimberly, defeated legendary Brandywine and Mel Malia uh, Hosaka to win the Shine Tag Team Championship. And a lot of our uh, local fans know uh, Kimber, I mean, Cherry Bomb as the bunny or... Uh, and many other names that she's gone by. I was watching Dark the other day. Wow. And I, see, I seen her on there, and I'm like, the buddy looks very familiar. Is that who I think it is? It is Allie. Or right. Cherry Bomb. Uh, moving on now to the big events. March 4th, 2012, we saw Ring of Honor presented their 10th anniversary show, Young Wolves Rising from the Hammerstein Ballroom in a famous New York City. The Night Express, Kenny King and Reed Titus defeated wrestling's greatest tag team, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Jay Lethal and Tomosa, Tomasa Champa fought to a 15-minute time limit draw for the ROH World TV belt. The Briscoes defeated the Young Bucks to retain the ROH tag belts. And Kevin Steen defeated Jimmy Jacobs in a no-DQ match. March 4, 2012, New Japan Pro Wrestling presented their 40th anniversary of a show from Tokyo, Japan. Kazuchika, Ochaka, oh man, I always screw that one up. Okada, there you go, defeated Tetsuyo Nato uh, to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. March 8, 1996, ECW presented Big Ass Extreme Bash Night 1 in Queens, New York. We saw Chris Jericho defeat Cactus Jack, Two Cord, Scorpio, and Sabu fought to a 20-minute limit draw for the ECW World TV belt. Bubba Ray Dudley and Dances with Dudley uh, defeated the Headhunters, and Raven defeated the Sandman to retain the ECW World Heavyweight belt. March 9th, 1996, ECW presented Big Ass Extreme Bash Night 2 from Philly. This was the last appearance of Mick Foley in ECW before leaving for the WWF, as uh, well would be the last ECW match for both Mysterio Jr. and Juventud as they were off to Atlanta. Also on the 9th in 2018, they presented Destination X. 
Reagan in 2014. Uh, they presented Lockdown from Miami, Florida. Of course, every match on the show was contested in a steel cage. Uh, March, March 10th, 2013, TNA presented another Lockdown. I don't mind the idea of Lockdown. It's just, you know, you have to be kind of creative because you can only have so many uh, high spots like that uh, during one show and if your talent is created enough, then it's all good to go. Personally, I uh, I'm, I like cage matches, but you don't need a whole show of the damn things. It's like it's beating a dead horse. Plus, um, a, a lot of cages, it's it's not the best sight, uh, like sight lines and everything to see it, depending where oh, you yeah. are. And uh, so to be in the arena, maybe not so much sitting at home, different story because hopefully yeah. they are doing the right uh, angles, especially with that uh, stupid red cage that WD uh uses for Hell in a Cell. But even uh, TNA was using a red cage for their uh, uh, when they were using six sided ring, uh, lockdowns were in a red cage. I don't get why they painted it red. Um, I mean, maybe you know, their colors. But I just read is too too distracting. Uh, I personally I I like the old blue cage because it with the with the fence meshing it's never fully clear uh, viewing in uh, and that's why they put usually a cameraman in there or at least you know put the holes in so they can get stick the camera in there. But uh, I always like the blue cage because you could still see everything. Yeah, oh, unfortunately, wow. the talent didn't like the blue cage because of well, how hard it was. Fuck the talent! That blue cage should come back, as you know. You know that's the ultimate to me. That's the ultimate cage match, not this hell in the cell stuff. It's the the original blue, friggin' hard cage that um, the wrestlers hate. But well, the elimination chamber used to be a really hard thing, and then all of a sudden, uh, a couple of years ago, they put padding in it. I, I kind of understand. I understand that to a point, um, but uh, I think the best thing that they did was with the war games is putting that metal, that uh, checkered uh, plating in, uh, and actually made that safer. And they could actually do moves there now. So. Oh come on! But uh, that took it took away from what uh, happened with Dustin Rhodes and Aaron Anderson with uh, Aaron Anderson's head between the uh, two rings. Oh yes, it, it it takes some things away, but if they would have thought of that years ago in WCW, they might have been able to save uh, British Bulldogs back and his life. Oh. Because that's where Warrior kind of actually came from was just the middle of the fucking ring. But hey, birthdays March fourth, uh, we got the Serata, nineteen seventy nine. He is forty three. Um, he was born in 1979, that is. Uh, March 4th, Dalton Castle turns 36. Uh, March 5th, Jordan Grace is 26 now. Uh, March 6th, Val Venus, born in 1971, turns 51. Uh, Mr. Kennedy is getting pretty old uh, in, in, in uh, wrestling standards. He is 46. Kennedy. Kennedy. March 7th, Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love, is 59. Surprisingly, I think he was older than that. 
Um, and also on the seventh, he shares birthdays with Major Guns, 1972, who is now 50, and Chase Owens, who is 32. And also on March 7th, it's a happy 25th birthday to Reed Tyler, best known to wrestling fans as Tyler Bate, the first NXT UK champion in one half of the Mustache Mountain. I guess it's not the Mustache Mountain, it's just Mustache Mountain. Yes. Uh, March 8th, it's a happy 36th birthday of Charles Betts, a.k.a. Chaz, or, or as one half of the American Alpha, Chad Gable. Born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Betts participated in the 2012 Summer Olympics in the 84-kilogram category, being 185 pounds. In 2003, he would sign a contract with the WWE and was assigned to their developmental program, where he adopted the name Chad Gable. He would team with Jason Jordan and be known as America Alpha and would become NXT Tag Team Champions for two months. They would be drafted to SmackDown in the 2016 draft and would win the SmackDown Tag Titles, winning it in a four-team elimination match. Gable would also win the Raw Tag Titles with Bobby Roode and now with Otis. And they just lost the titles uh, the other night. Ah, uh, blast. Uh, blast, blast. Uh, turning to March 9th, Rick Steiner is 61. Tiger Ali Singh is 51. One of the first wrestlers I ever met. Uh, I approached him just as a normal human being going, hey, are you who I think you are? And we chatted in the lobby of the Sky Dome Hotel nice. for a good uh, 20 minutes to a half hour and just wished him luck with his career. Unfortunately, it didn't go too far in WD. I think they were more looking at uh, doing uh, connections with his dad, Tiger Jeet Singh, and Tiger Ali Singh came along as part of the package. Now, if you look him up under his real name, um, he is doing a lot of uh, charity work still uh, in the Milton area here in Ontario and uh, does a lot of, it uh, looks like, uh, Toys for Tots type uh, events. Uh, he has a replica WD championship belt, uh, but with whatever logo he's using. Uh, on top of it, but uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that his career didn't go so well in the WWE uh, in uh, the mid-90s, but he is doing well for himself and his community here in Ontario. He came in with a lot of fanfare, but it kind of just fizzled. I think injuries was probably his biggest problem. Uh, right. Um, also, March 9th, it's a happy 43rd birthday for Melina Perez, the former manager of Eminem, Johnny Nitro, and Joey Mercury. March 10th, uh, we got three birth. Uh, yeah, three birthdays. It's a happy 28th to Joe, uh, Ann Alexi Offerman, aka JoJo. JoJo, of course, started off as a cast member of Total Divas and would later become the ring announcer and interviewer on Raw. She would leave the WWE in 2021. She has two children with Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda. Also, Luchasaurus uh, turns 37. And also, it would have been the 114th birthday of the first recognized NWA champion, my hero, Orville Brown. 
Yeah, and those that are uh, fans of Luchasaurus or fans of uh, Big Brother, uh, he was actually on a uh, season of Big Brother a few years ago. Uh, so, yeah, hmm. reality world and wrestling world collided. All right, we got a superstar spotlight, and that goes to Bruce Pritchard. He was born on March 7th, 1963, and is currently a senior vice president with the professional promotion WWE, where he serves as executive director of SmackDown and Raw. In addition to his corporate roles with WWE, Pritchard has also appeared as an on-screen character under the ring name Brother Love. As a Brother Love, Pritchard was the original manager of The Undertaker and hosted a talk show segment, The Brother Love Show. And, of course, that character is also related to, uh, oh, I lost his name. But he was Rio Rogers, that's it. <laughs> yes, he did Rio Rogers. Uh, that was during a time when, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Bill Watts or somebody. No, it wasn't Bill Watts. It was Jerry Jarrett who was apparently uh, doing a lot of creative at the time and uh, wanted him to do the Rio Rogers character, which is basically just him doing Dusty Rhodes. And that only lasted, I think, two weeks. Uh, they quickly had him. Uh, he was doing commentary for Raw, I mean, Superstars. Uh, he had Rio's Roundup, and I think they used him quickly on Raw to go with Shawn Michaels to the supposed Hart house, which I think was Howard Finkel's house, mm -hmm. to try and challenge Bret Hart to the match at Survivor Series 93 when they had to quickly uh, make a left-hand turn when uh, Jerry Lawler got accused of raping his, as a babysitter or a 13-year-old girl, whichever, and got uh, taken off of uh, TV. And they quickly inserted Shawn Michaels into that uh, feud for uh, Survivor Series. Still having nights. Don't get me. I don't understand that. Never will. But he had them. But they had to quickly swerve and have him and Rio Rogers attack the Hurt family and make fun of them. And it was just really sloppily put together. And thankfully, that character did not last long. Uh, yep. Too bad the gobbledygooker didn't uh, join him. Uh, so Rat Pritchard began his career in 1973 working for Paul B Bush's Houston Wrestling promotion out of Houston, Texas. At 10 years old, he sold posters at the same Houston Coliseum with great success. At 12, he worked as an assistant director of television. At age 14, he acted as a ring announcer due to uh, Bosch, Bosch. Bosch. It's Bosch. Okay. God, the spelling sometimes. Uh, working relationship with Bill Watts Universal Wrestling Federation in the 80s. Pritchard would also act as a ring announcer for some UWF shows. As Houston Wrestling became defunct in 1987, uh, Pritchard was hired by the World Wrestling Federation. In June of 1988, uh, Pritchard debuted as Brother Love, a red-faced, swarmy, dishonest, abusive, and boisterous preacher, character dressed in a conspicuous white suit. A uh, tight red shirt and white tie, who claimed to preach not the word of God, but the word of love. He was best known for his disin injurious uh, catchphrase, I love you, during which he would in, 
communicate each word for several seconds in a thick southern accent. The character was inspired by the controversial televangelists of the time, with Richard specifically citing Robert uh, Tilton as the most direct inspiration. Introduced to the WWF by Bobby the Brain Heenan, Love hosted a segment on the World Wrestling Federation syndicated in cable television programs called The Brother Love Show, in which he would interview wrestlers. The segment debuted on June 19, 1988, airing of Wrestling Challenge and would be promoted to the WWF's A-Show. Superstars of Wrestling first appearing on the October 8, 1988 edition. The Brother Love Show would be uh, set for many feuds to start. Um, Hulk Hogan vs. Earthquake, Jake Roberts vs. Rick Martel, and DBLC versus The Boss Man. The Brother Love Show also introduced the Million Dollar Championship, Paul Bearer, and the ringmaster, Steve Austin, in 1995. That's right, Steve Austin was around when Brother Love was around. Yeah, they brought him back uh, briefly, and... Uh, that was when they didn't have the set, and it was happening in the center of the ring. Uh, Ted DiBiase introduces new uh, employee or whatever, the ringmaster. And it was kind of weird, though, because at one point, as Steve's going, uh, cutting his promo, he's just like, I want everybody to reach out to their uh, TVs and touch the screen and touch my hand. And it was like definitely going off on that whole evangelist uh, type thing. Uh Thankfully, that didn't last long, and we did see him briefly uh, return uh, with uh, a feud with The Undertaker and Big Show, I believe. There was uh, times he was actually teaming with uh, Dusty Rhodes and uh, when he was feuding with Savage and uh, Elizabeth and stuff like that. Uh, He tells a bunch of stories on his uh, podcast. about how I guess Dusty was the one controlling the matches the whole uh, during that feud, and it fell flat one day, and somebody told them, "No, that's not going to happen." And Savage, you're in charge, and he uh, went in the one match and went, "Nope, we're doing this," and just Savage put his foot down, and they ran with that whole thing. But yeah, he had a really good time with that. Uh, worked for the NWA or sorry, TNA as a uh, authority figure, got fired by uh, Jim Cornette uh, on screen, and that's when he left. Worked for MLW and stuff like that. Uh, There's a whole long list of things here that we can actually skip through. Uh, But he uh, most famously, as we know, uh, managed The Undertaker, which was done a couple days before his actual debut on uh, Survivor Series because they taped Superstars and he was Kane the Undertaker. Just the travel schedule and the character and the behind the scenes stuff was too much and that's why they brought in Paul Bear to manage uh, Undertaker. He then ended up getting released. He came back, was the wizard uh, doing commentary for uh, the one of those MSG shows but never was on TV. We talked about Rio Rogers and not Austin, but yeah, it was more destined to be uh, behind the scenes around Vince McMahon's pool, helping to guide the direction of uh, the WWE in the mid nineties or early nineties before uh, good old uh, Russo took over uh, that sort of stuff. But uh, 
Now today he is right hand man to uh, Vince McMahon, overseeing SmackDown, Raw, and now NXT 2.0. And hopefully people in NXT 2.0 have a better shot when they're brought up to the main roster than what they were doing in uh, Triple H's uh, version of NXT because they got lost in the shuffle. At least you got hopefully continuity going forward with this. But, uh, yeah, uh, since August uh, 2016, Pritchard uh, co-hosts uh, the uh, Something to Wrestle With with uh, Conrad Thompson. And, yeah, the rest is history right now with him. Very right. successful guy. And I honestly thought he was in his 50s when he was brother love. Yeah, I don't know what was more annoying, his uh, his voice or the music constantly looping in the background. <laughs> I love you. And actually, was... he has a shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees that I, I've been meaning to get. Uh, I've mentioned it probably here before, but it says, uh, just because I say I love you doesn't mean I like you. Yes. All right, back to some title changes. March 8th, 1983, the Wild Samoans defeated Chief J and Julia Strongbow to win the WWF Tag Team belts. 2012 on Impact, Eric Young and ODB defeated Gail Kim and Madison Rain to win TNA Knockouts. Ooh, pardon me. That's supper. TNA Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Young and ODB would end up uh, vacating the belts and TNA deactivated the belts months later. On March 9th, 1991, on pre-taped WCW Power Hour, the Steiner Brothers defeated the fabulous Freebirds, being Hayes and Garvin, to win the NWA World Tag Team belts. And interestingly, because there were lots of TV tapings uh, weeks in advance before airing on TV, this was another one of those times, the fabulous Freebirds actually lost the titles at the taping, but then won them at the pay-per-view Wrestle War six days later. So the Freebirds lost the titles before they won them, thus they actually held the titles for minus six days. Quite the record. Yes. March 9th, 2002, in Tokyo, Dan Severin defeated Shinye Hashimoto to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Also on the 9th, 2009, on Raw, JBL defeated CM Punk to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. The win made JBL the 10th Grand Slam champion in WWE history. March 10th, 2008, on Raw, Chris Jericho defeated Jeff Hardy to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. The next morning, Hardy was suspended for a second violation of the WWE's wellness policy. Shocking. Shocking, yes. Didn't see that coming. Nope. 2013, uh, Ray defeated Jeff Hardy in a steel cage match to win the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. And post-match, Bully Ray announced he was the president of the Aces and Eights. What an epic uh, angle that was. I actually, uh, I, I, I liked it, the beginning of it. Um, I didn't like watch the whole thing, but... Uh, it got a little too NWO-ish. Well, it was. It was NWO is exactly what it was, but it was Aces and Eights. So, you know, what I didn't like is, of course, you know, Taz is had to 
be the bad guy and he joined them eventually and it was that's where it was like nwo all over again where everyone yeah the aces and eights uh, March 10th, 2014, Daniel Bryan occupies Raw and forces Triple H's hand, making him agree to a match at WrestleMania 30, with the condition that the winner be entered into the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match at the same event. Yeah, and so then uh, just to wrap this up before we uh, check out of here, we actually have a second Monday Night Wars, but this time instead of it being WCW versus WWF, it's WWE versus Impact Wrestling because Impact tried to spark another war with Hogan and Bischoff uh, on their payroll, and it really didn't work out. But this is one of those nights on March 8, 2010, that they attempted. Yeah, and uh, it would feature the television and ring uh, returns of Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair to nobody's giving a shit about it. Uh, despite the all-in effort from TNA, Raw, of course, trounced Impact 3.4 to 0.98. This rating was lower than previously previous Impacts and actually did a higher ratings in a replay. <clears throat> uh, some of the matches on that card uh, was Abyss and Hulk Hogan and AJ Styles and Ric Flair fought to a no contest. And the match would be rebooked for later in the show. Doug Williams defeated Daniels and Kazarian to retain the X Division Championship. Uh, the Beautiful People, uh, Madison Rain and Velva Sky, defeated Angela Love and Tara and Sarita and Taylor Wilde in a triple threat tag team match to win the vacated TNA Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Uh, the titles were vacated when Awesome Kong was released from the company following an altercation with Shock Jock Bubba the Love Sponge. He probably deserved it because it is Bubba. Yeah. She got and Rob them. Van Dam made his TNA debut, defeating Sting in just 10 seconds. Uh, Post-match, Van Dam was assaulted by Sting with a baseball bat. Uh, do, 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 why, do, Sting? Do. Why? Uh, Mick Foley was a special guest referee in the Beer Money, uh, defeating Jeff Jarrett in a handicap match. And, of course, Abyss and Hulk Hogan defeated AJ Styles and Ric Flair in a no-DQ tag team match because it kicked off the show might as well close the show all right over nope. on raw am I yeah over on raw eve uh, kelly kelly and gail kim defeated maurice alicia fox and katie lee in three minutes the big show and miz uh show miz defeated john morrison and r-truth uh, actually that ended in a no contest in only 36 seconds Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase defeated Randy Orton in a two-on-one handicap match with 11 minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, Viper was determined not to go down, at least for a while. Evan Bourne defeated William Regal in a Money in the Bank qualifying match in just a minute and 28 seconds. Drew McIntyre, Jack Swagger, Mark Henry, Vince McMahon, and Vladimir Kozlov defeated John Cena in a no-disqualification five-on-one handicap match. And once again, the person that was disadvantaged put up a fight because that took 11 minutes and 21 seconds just to defeat one man five-on-one. And the dark match of the evening saw John Cena again in the ring, teaming with Triple H, defeating Batista and Sheamus. 
All right, and of course, that is the end of This Week in Wrestling History, which is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, CagesideSeats.com, and of course, most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And as always, a big thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet, CoolBet.com, and sportsbook betting in casino games. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And don't be afraid to send them an email and thank them for sponsoring shows like this one. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely appreciate that. Uh, we definitely appreciate everybody being a part of our shows. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, we have March Madness going on on our uh, Facebook page. There's still the whole month of March. We're going to narrow down 64 down to one uh, top star in all of Ontario. I could have done actually uh, double that, uh, 128, but need a little bit of time for that one. So we'll see what happens in the future. But we're doing uh, an Aaron 64 down right now. We are getting, going to gear up for season or year two of the Predictions League starting at WrestleMania. So go to our website, scumbagswrestling.ca, for all the information on that. You can get in on uh, the predictions. It's a whole year's worth of uh, predicting uh, NXT, Impact Wrestling, WWE, and AEW. It's fun, got bragging rights, occasionally you get a prize, and you never know what might happen. So reach out to us anywhere you can, and thank you for joining us. You got one more thing to say, Jonesy, before we check in? Uh, I can add a thing um, with the um, – uh, oh, man, my brain just went blank. With that whole um, uh, prediction okay. league, uh, it's actually really easy to do because Sean can send you – the rundown of all the matches and who's in them. And then all you do is copy paste, take out who's not going to win and send it back to them. And that's all you have to do. You I don't do have work. to follow the shows. Um, it helps if you know some of the wrestlers and whatnot. Uh, and you can always Google it too and see what other people think uh, is going to happen. And uh, for the most part, I did pretty good for someone who didn't um, uh, follow a lot of this stuff. Yeah, you try and hope for common sense. And uh, at times, uh, especially for the bigger events, I uh, do do a uh, podcast uh, rundown preview, so you can always check on that. But, yeah, so check out uh, year two coming up uh, starting WrestleMania weekend, and always vote for uh, the indie uh, star or throughout uh, the month of March. Other than that, we'll see you here next week for more this week in history. Have a great one.